me see you. OGs, BGs, represent that hard. Hood stars, dark town, yeah, you know who From we are. From the cradle to the grave, I'm a bang in the parade. Throw everything I got up, first to fade. Foot hop, I'm bouncing and big humps drop. Riders, rolling through the streets in each block. Reach out, get touched, get banged and bust. Running up on these niggas like nigga, what up? Get choked, get broke, get hog tied. Now we gon' show you how the real hog drive. Yeah, the way that we be blasting, they all die. And they no effort cause they all try. Back to the boogie cause we boogie the bang. I jump the boogie cause we boogie the bang. With the gangsta swing like this. Move it all around, throw your sets up, do the dark pound. Get up, gangsta, gangsta, the G's is here. You know what's going down when the G's appear. It's that deep Hey, how's it going? This is Champagne Sharks. Um, this is T, Trevor. You can find me on Twitter at Ricky Rolls, R-I-C-K-Y-R-A-W-L-S. And we have with us Mike. Hey, everybody. This is Mike. You can mostly find me on Champagne Sharks. I'm pretty ghost on Twitter, but my handle is at Black Exception One. Yeah, I need to get ghost on Twitter because that place is getting more and more toxic all the time. But I mean, that's a whole different topic. But we have a special <laughs> guest today. Uh, we have Yvette Carne- Carnell. How are you doing? What's going on, family? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, yeah, just tell the people um, uh, who you are and where to find you. Well, Breaking Brown is a, is a webcast that I do. It's a YouTube, YouTube live stream that I do to give a um, kind of, I believe... Before you can do any political action, you have to have a political education. Um, and Breaking Brown, which is Monday and Wednesday at nine p.m., nine thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, is like my attempt to do that. So okay, um, a very successful attempt. I would yeah. just <laughs> thank you, Faye. I appreciate. It. What would you say your mission is? Like, if you had to describe the mission of uh, Breaking Brown, like the elevator pitch or whatever you want to call it, for someone who's never heard of it and wants to know uh, why they should listen. Well, what I asked myself before the show even happened is, is kind of like, what is the impediment to what, to what activists are trying to do? So you see a lot of activists trying to do work and you see what you see keep happening. You see keep happening like all of this stuff just keeps dropped in their path. So like you'll try to do activism and say, well, this is what we want in terms of policies. But then you have this whole other set of beliefs that kind of get in the way. So you have people say, no, we can do this for ourselves. We can we can build our own Flint or we can build our own Hollywood or we can do X, Y and Z. And that's just one example. So what I what I think um, the early part, I would just say phase one of this mission is to get those zombie myths out of the way, because I think before you can really do the, the, the stuff that needs to be done in terms of turning, you know, American black DOS into a group to be reckoned with, like there are, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that has to die and there are a lot of beliefs that have to die. And there are a lot of ideas that they aren't really tied to anything that have to die. And so I think like the beginning of this project, before we get to anything that actually needs to happen, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be killed. Okay, can you explain what DOS is for people who don't Ah, for DOS, DOS is uh, Descendants of Slaves, Descendants of American Chattel Slaves. So um, that is definitionally something that I, you know, Antonio Moore and I have kind of added to the the construct of understanding of who we are as a group and, and why that matters systemically and why that matters in terms of our wealth position in this country. Now, um... One problem I kind of have with the term DOS is it feels like a term that could end up being confusing because then I feel like Caribbean people could say, oh, where do you send us the slaves uh, to? Right. Yeah. So, well, a lot of times, a lot of times I've hear, I hear uh, when, when guests call into Yvette's show, a lot of them throw American in there, like descendants of yeah. American slavery or American descendants of slavery. I think that's one way to kind of mitigate that kind of. You, you and know, that's what we did. And that's what we did. We started, we even changed the hashtag to, to, uh, to American DOS as opposed to DOS. Because, yeah. it, and it doesn't negate anybody else's experience, but it just says that every, like, every group 
right, is different and they had a different experience and a different manifestation in their own home country. So you have Haiti, like we didn't we didn't kick Napoleon we didn't we didn't we didn't stop kind of like Napoleon's march and all that. Like that's not what we did. That's not our history in this country, right? And you can still be dealing with that in Haiti in terms of like the repercussions of having done that. Because I don't think white supremacy is undefeated. I don't think they ever stop being mad and they ever stop punishing you. Right. So so this is a very different experience, a different group with a different group of different manifestations. And specifically what I talk about a lot is a different justice claim in this country. Yeah. uh, One thing that we always talk about on this show is that we notice um a lot of times when uh, black immigrants or descendants of black immigrants talk to an American DOS, there's a lot of talk about uh, the unity or how they're being divisive or whatever when they bring up claims like what you've brought up. But if the conversation doesn't go their way for more than like uh, two minutes, suddenly all what they really think comes out like all the time like suddenly there's all this uh Akata stuff, you know, you guys have no tribe, all this stuff. And it's like. I always find it interesting how um, if things don't kind of go their way in the conversation right away, they just kind of tell on themselves and prove the accusation right that they uh, have a certain level of contempt for um, American DOS. And I was wondering if you found that in your experience, too. Well, yeah, I had somebody, I had somebody, you know, basically start off the conversation, you know, Yvette, we're all in this together, you're being divisive. And, and, you know, I've had, I had a conversation where somebody eventually called me descendant of a cotton picker. Like, why are you proud? You come from cotton pickers. (laughs) I had somebody, (laughs) I had somebody tell me, basically, I had somebody say something different that wasn't about just coming from slaves. It was about, they called me a blue vein and said, who are you to talk? You're a blue vein, meaning you're you're a very light-skinned black person. You're a blue vein. And Mm. it's the idea that you get to kind of define me for me. Like, I would never try to define a person who is Jamaican. I would never try to define a person who's Haitian or Ghanaian or whatever. I can't define you and I don't, I don't have, I don't have any blood equity. I don't have anything invested in in, 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 in in pushing back against colonialism or Napoleon or anything like that. That's not my claim. So it's not my job to define you. But it's but it's very interesting when we have the other conversation with other groups in the diaspora. You feel that you have the right to define who I am and and the, and the parameters of how I define myself and my group. And then if I don't, you, if, 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 I, if I push back and say, no, you don't have any right to that and to define me, then you say, well, you're defining yourself by something that's awful anyway, you, you son of a you daughter of a cotton picker and this is like you see how quickly that goes off the rails and that's the thing that bothers me about that too is a lot of these same people especially if they have like a blue check and are like making uh their name for themselves as like activists or working for or i call it the white ally industrial complex like there's a certain Mm. type type of uh black person whose whole idea of black politics is to cozy up to white people and um groom allies you know which basically means people to give them jobs in the media but they don't talk to white people the same way like if a white person says something messed up it's all about educating them and you know here's why exactly black lives matter doesn't exclude whites and why all lives matter leaves things out of the conversation this is type of way that it's like i'm going to entertain your gripes with black people as if they're in good they're in good faith you saw that when um when trump called those countries shithole countries then you got all these africans coming out of the woodworks oh i'm a nurse and i'm this and they 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 sort of like try to prove themselves 
to yes. like white critics, but when we any criticism we level, it's it's you know it's you know it's met with contempt. Like how dare you? Like yeah. who do you think you are to criticize me? And like she said, I, I I think that's under the surface or not very deep under the surface to how they feel about us as far as you know this American descendant of cotton pickers. I, yeah, I, I, that's a new one for absolutely. me. Yeah, it shows you very much that they can't give American DOS and their complaints the same type of. Uh, respect or humble themselves but yeah i do notice that there's a certain way that these people talk to white people who criticize black people versus the way they talk to american dos who criticize them where the respect level is very different or it's almost like a dismissive like how dare you say this to us whereas when the white person says something about black people it's like oh no you don't understand this is how uh you should think about things and it's it's um i think that has to be like spoken about uh my parents are from Haitian descent, you know, but something I always try to tell uh, other people who are children of um, black immigrant experiences, if you really want to build unity, you have to be honest so people know where they stand. You can't have your family talk certain ways behind closed doors. Oh, no. Oh, no. These attitudes exist. But then go up in other people's faces and act like uh, none of it, none of what they're experiencing is true. Like they're imagining it. That's a kind of gaslighting. And I think um, a lot of people of foreign descent or who are born foreign kind of do that they gaslight american dos a lot <clears throat> well i think i think what i think what happens and i've seen this specifically like people people a lot of people get honest in the comments like because you you have total anonymity people get honest on twitter you have total anonymity and what i've seen people say and even the, the woman from the grapevine um when she called america a transient country um and somebody on in the comments said you know we don't come here to america to be with you you all are not the real americans it's not it's not real america that we come here to be a part of and you all don't understand your place here so it's almost as if you have this conversation where like it's the otherizing of, of of american black dos is like not really american like this is you're not really the america that people see when they see america you're you're you know you 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 you're you're very close to slavery you're still at the bottom and, and you have too many people who kind of say like you're at the bottom because of of this victimhood which is the same thing white conservatives say which yeah. is which is my question part of my question is why is it that if 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 I say something right now on this on this on this recording that is that is anti that is like xenophobic and and overtly anti-immigrant, or if I say something that is anti anti-black in general, or if I say something that is that is that is that is that is homophobic, whatever, I will be held to account for it. So one of the questions that I always ask is this: is if you have if you have a person coming from an immigrant group. And they're saying something that sounds like it comes from Rush Limbaugh's mouth. Like, first of all, why aren't they held accountable for it? And second of all, why don't why don't we see that as problematic to us becoming any kind of ally? Because I can't ally with Rush. So how how do you how how is it assumed then? Because we all we all we all brown people or black people or we all have kinky hair or whatever that we're gonna have some kind of political coalition with people who don't share the same ideology that I have or don't really understand race in this country and I agree with you that you see that what happens is that you do see that like you'll 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 say we're all the same until I start like full-throatedly just like hitting you and, and telling you that like no this this is my justice claim and this is my history and that's your history and your history is important and it should be important to you just as my history should be important to me and then you get like once you get that person kind of frustrated I oftentimes I see something else come out I see like an unmasking yeah mm. yeah, yeah you definitely see that 
it's the thing that happens with a lot of uh, white racists. Like a lot of times when white racists say like, you know, hey man, you're a race baiter. Uh, there's only one race, a human race. And if you resist them, a lot of times some greasy shit will come out that they think about black mm. people like three answers in. And I noticed yeah. that same dynamic will repeat itself a lot with um, American DOS and uh, black immigrants. And I just feel like this, if people were just real about it, they could actually get eventually to that place of unity that they try to pretend already exists. But, you know, you can't kind of talk one way out in the street and another way um, in your heart or behind closed doors and expect that. Like, because to a certain level, you have to think people are dumb to think that'll work. And I think that's kind of the problem. That contempt makes them think, oh, these people are dumb enough to believe whatever. Well, um, yeah, well, history has shown them that they've been able to get away with that for so long. History, I think the, uh, the present day, even a lot of a well, lot yeah, of I, you know, it's it's yeah. it's it's pretty much you know baked in right now, and like I think with thanks to Yvette and and Tone and 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 the family, I think people are pushing back now, and and, and they're surprised by that because I don't know if you guys remember this was a couple of weeks ago. There was a there was a uh, it was a guy I don't remember the, who the people were but she was a, she was an African and the guy said she was a trash black person and then she oh, just yeah. went into this whole yeah my, I can speak to my you know I can speak in my native tongue and I know where my ancestors' bones are buried and she just went on this whole yeah. long and it was like wow that's how you really feel you know what I mean mm-hmm. but you see it in the comments underneath that that a lot of people she was getting a lot of you know pushback whereas a lot of people would have just kind of blew that off I think at one well, point what's interesting about that one um, uh, the exchange that he's talking about is an exchange on Twitter it wasn't what was the original it was the response to the lovey controversy I think but I don't think I think it was something about politics I don't even oh, think, it, oh, I, think oh, oh, I think it was oh. something not even I think she took it there because that's like I said that's under the surface that's yeah. so they just can't wait yeah, to think, get that out you know I think somebody said something to her I think they called her a name or something but but, but i don't think it was due to i don't think it her was because African. of like yeah well, no it was that i think it was, it was a personal like, disagreement yeah it was like your politics are shit <laughs> something yeah. like that basically right and then they was just like your whole community is shit you know it was just like, <laughs> like your whole group and it was just like whoa whoa, whoa. and i think i think I, I, I think part of that has to do with i don't think like dos american black in this country we're mm. very welcoming, and and it's and it's funny when people try to point out to me or Stokely Carmichael or or, or the contributions of 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 immigrant of black immigrants throughout time, and I I say part of that has to do with the fact though that we've always been very welcoming of anybody who's coming to help. Like so, you can't like on one hand accuse us of being anti-immigrant as a group or whatever. Like you all have always had this in your community, and then the other hand point out all these all these Caribbean and, and, and leaders who we've had in our communities and from other places because we're not we're not like that. But see what what I find too often is that if if I put like if I push back if I'm critical like if I and, and you all you all mm-hmm. know I be, I can be extremely critical so if I'm <laughs> critical I find that people just like some of the immigrants like a lot of them who I interact with they can't take it because they're not used to us being critical they're used to like a welcoming you know American black person that's what they're used to because that's who we normally are and we invite you over or whatever and we eat whatever if you have something we're never disrespectful you know it, it, you know even if even if we're not we if, like I said on the show and I was joking but I was like even if we're not like into the spices or whatever I love spicy food but I know a lot of people whose stomach bubbles but they're like well I, I, tr- I always try we try we really yeah. try but what I find is that a lot of a lot of 
you know, too many black immigrants that I've, that I've spoken with when I interact with them, especially on Twitter where there's anonymity. If I push back too hard, they, they're, they're not used to that. They're not used to having that kind of interaction. So they go off and tell you what they really feel about mm. who we are. And, and what's interesting is I can understand if the American DOS person was saying like very inflammatory, yeah. terrible anti-immigrant stuff like saying, hey, you're an African booty scratcher or whatever. And then... Just out of anger, they come back with like you know something about cotton. But a lot of times, yeah. it'll it'll just be yeah. They, they, if you're insulted, it's it's only natural you would come back with an insult. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of times, it'll just be um the same type of claims that they they normally make toward white allies, like you know, as in uh you have to know your role in the struggle. You can't kind of overstep your bounds. You have to respect uh, our unique claims. And then that alone, like just saying that you, little things like that will get the insults flying. It's very uh, crazy. And what there with the Harry Belafonte's and uh, Louis Farrakhan and stuff like that, why I don't think they're a good comparison is because I felt like what they were doing when they got involved in the struggle, there was a certain amount of, of appreciation for what American DOS did for them and the doors that they opened through their struggle and it was kind of like a repayment there wasn't this kind of arrogance where i see come from a lovey or uh what's her name amanda seals where it's like you should be lucky to have us were uh you should be lucky to have us taking the lead for you like like it wasn't like that like they kind of humbled themselves back in the day well and, you know you know what i'll say it, 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 when you look at like when you talk about a Belafonte, when you talk about when you talk about stokely carmine kwame ture it's almost like when they get here it's a fight going on and they say what you fight if you fight we fight yeah. Get a break. yeah right? exactly it, it's like we in this we in this and so, uh, but, but I think, I think what's happened, first of all, I think that the number of black immigrants has kind of changed the conversation because yeah. it's almost like with, when you look at it, if you don't take a brick, the rest of black America is going to look at you like, listen, it's, all, it's only like three of y'all. If you, you better get one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, you better pick up one. We don't have time for you to be looking at me and telling me about all this other stuff. So I, I think that mattered in terms of who controls that conversation. <laughs> and there's, you know, not, in terms, there's not enough of y'all to self-segregate. Like, you know, you can't form. Yeah. A exactly. Jamaican community in the Bronx. You can't form a Haitian community in Queens, so you have to get in where you fit in. Yeah, which means you have to assimilate with the with the black people who are here, which are American black DOS. You have to. Like there aren't a whole lot of. I mean, you can, but there are not a whole lot of choices, and you'll be you'll be you'll be like excommunicated. But I think we have gotten. And I think the loudest voices in the room. Like the funniest thing is when I have black immigrant allies call in. It's it's they always talk about like what they themselves run up against in terms of like some of the conversations that they've had and some of some of the run-ins that they've had trying to defend American black people to other immigrants because there's this kind of there's this kind of bubbling away like you say right so they get to bubble themselves away in their own community and discuss their own issues or whatever and there's, there's this kind of like well we're it, 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 white see white supremacy is, is really something in terms of if you will try to say that you're coordinating your, if you're different than these other black people these American blacks and you want to if you're willing to say that's why you're successful and if you're willing to kind of suggest even if you don't say it outright but but suggest or imply that there's something somewhat deficient in these american black people white supremacy will raise you up you know and 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 lift you higher and higher and if you see that game being played i think there's there are people who won't say it but they will benefit from it so you have lovey lovey will spend all day right she'll spend all day making fun of ghetto blackness and ghetto this and ghetto that so but it's not your culture so you make fun of something and mock something is not that's not yours and then in a tweet you say but i would never send my child to a hbcu that's the african elitist in me you shouldn't be allowed to be here with that kind of mentality where you will make fun of us and you 
use us to elevate yourself to a level where you getting thousands of dollars of speech, but then you talk about you wouldn't even you you won't support us. You're just using us as fodder for your own life. And, and you know the thing I don't like about the lovies of the world is even when she's insulting um American DOS, she's still appropriating the slang. She's still using it's it's yeah. like uh it's almost comical how she types. Like it's very much um almost a caricature of American black slang. And to me, she's doing that for white people. When you look at her crowd, it's nothing but white people in the crowd, you know, as opposed to like when I listen to your show, everyone that calls in uh, will be majority black. Like you actually have a constituency. You actually have a, you actually have a bottom up um, movement. Yeah. She's from the ground up. Yeah. Yeah. From the ground up grassroots. Whereas she's selected from the top like she has a new york times article profiling her as like this voice of uh black people from years ago and to this day most black people i know always say who the hell is she like you know when i tweet about <laughs> her black people respond and goes why have i never heard of this woman like you know and and to me the performance that she does that performative blackness she does is to impress white people because i think a lot of immigrant blacks including africans caribbeans know that when it comes to soft culture, when it comes to uh, a certain amount of fascination that captivates white people, it's American DOS that they think of. It, that's the one that, you know, really gets you the cultural currency with white America is to present yourself as mm. a gateway to American black culture. And that's what I think really annoys me about her is that there are a lot of them is that they're willing to traffic in that that inability of a lot of white people to differentiate, you know, to get their foot in the door. Like, like they're not going like she's not making her name for herself talking about uh jollof rice like Issa ray is not you know mm, exactly doing, doing african music in the mirror on her show she's doing uh rap you know it's uh yeah but it's, and it's like if, if your culture they always want to tell us like your our culture is so superior well then make make your money off jollof rice stories then make yeah. your money off african stew like make your money <laughs> if, if your culture make your money off nollywood like if your culture is so superior then make your money off that culture make your do that and i will tell you the truth when i first saw lovey i thought it was kind of funny i hadn't seen any of the anti-black jokes that was I, I hadn't seen that early on but the only reason for a little while and it didn't last long the only reason i thought she was funny for like two seconds was because i thought she was i thought she was one of us i thought she was american black so i was because y'all remember when she first came i'm talking about first day one she you only saw her as a cartoon and the cartoon didn't even look like locks it looked like she had braids in her hair yeah so i kind of thought that this was a southern black girl who was who was who was breaking down the vernacular of blackness or trying to break down the vernacular of southern blackness you know and do a blog about it so i was like oh that's cute like, but I didn't think, I, I wasn't a follower or anything, but I was like, that's cute. Like, she broke down that. But then when you realize that, like, you're not even from, like, so much of the vernacular that she uses, too, is like, yeah. it's like Southern. It's not even like Midwestern or New York or, or West Coast or Chicago. It's it's Southern. So you're like, this is, to me, this is almost like black facing. That's what I see it as. It's, it's American oh, yeah. black facing because you don't talk like this. What are you doing? Yeah, you know what? In fact, uh, we had an episode about Lovey, and that was a title. It was called uh, Lovey and Black Blackface. That was actually the title mm. of, of the episode. It's, it's funny you say that. And you know, it's interesting, too. Like, uh, you have things like World Star Hip Hop. That's That was created, owned by a Haitian guy. Love and Hip Hop, the reality show, is created um, by a Haitian woman. And some of those uh, gossip blogs, I forget which one. I don't know if it's Bossip or another one, but one is owned by a Nigerian. There's a couple of them. Um, uh, do you know which one it is? I forget which one. 
I, I definitely think Bossup is one, and uh, what's the other one? Um, media there's a couple of them. Media Takeout's owned by uh, someone of African descent, I think, and they always kind of traffic in like a lot of this slang and st- stereotypical stuff, and you know, like the world star hip hop fights and everything. But hmm. you'll never see world star hip hop put like some 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 Haitian people uh, coming at each other with machetes or something and saying, you know, putting world star over it or whatever. Like they yeah. kind of yeah, because because they understand they they understand intuitively it's not they're not talking about their own group yeah like that's why because it's easy to traffic and show like look at these look at these crazy crazy black people fighting each other in the street and doing all that stuff when you don't see yourself as that's not your group your group is a different group your group isn't isn't the one that you're talking about but then when we want to have a conversation about it they want to say yes we're all the same the reason we never had a world star hip-hop that was brought people talk about bet it's funny when people talk about bet now how awful bet was with bob johnson when we look at like world star hip-hop and we're like no it could get worse and it did like you know we thought dancing and showing showing skin and all that stuff that he was doing as a black Republican, which I found a lot of it republic, repugnant was the worst you could do. No, when you really when you really place yourself outside of this group, you can do a lot worse. Especially when the people don't understand that you're placing yourself outside of this group. Yeah, yeah. And somebody put an example of uh on one of those Nigerian owned uh black black gossip blogs, they were talking about Nigerians and the tone was totally different. And somebody pointed out was I wish I had the article handy, but they're pointing out this tone is different because now she realizes she's talking about her uh, people. And I feel the same way with um, like Issa Rae. Like there's no mention of anything African on that show. And I think because she knows her dad will give her a side eye or her African family. She comes to the table uh, after having trafficked in um, negative African stereotypes on the show. So they will do all this stuff on Insecure with uh, American DOS stereotypes or whatever you know and you there's not even evidence that the character is even half african or african at all on the show but the molly character the lawyer who's american you get to go to her cookout compton you get to see all her ratchet relatives you get you know she has stripper in-laws and unemployed brothers we still haven't seen Issa ray's parents or family's house or mm. whatever i'm assuming because they're uh they're african on the show like i think it's like one hint that uh her character was african and i find that very uh telling well yeah nobody see and that's the thing and and that's what you get so you when she's playing when she's playing american black you see the ratchet relatives but a part of the one of the biggest part of problems with media and this is especially true whether you're talking about white media whether you're talking about Issa ray and that's why Issa ray doesn't need to occupy this space because she's no different than white media well what do i what do i mean you're not telling us why these people are ratchet you're not telling us why who didn't who wasn't able to get a job because they have a felony because of a, a marijuana or whatever you're just kind of poking fun at the fact that these people are ratchet and there's something wrong with them and girl everybody black got ratchet family without showing us the other side of it and so there's no different than kind of what you're trafficking in as like what a white show with trafficking in in terms of the one dimensionality that you present like american black people in as opposed to like what undergirded what they're dealing with and what they're going through and it's a very it's a very one dimensional show that kind of you know um, I don't think it understands American blackness, so I certainly wouldn't expect it to be able to portray it. Now, I want to ask some background questions on you that I've gotten from viewers because, I mean, I mean, listeners, because I mention you a lot. And then sometimes it seems like you're kind of a shock to the system to people when 
I send them your way and stuff because they have a certain way that they believe black topics <laughs> should be discussed. And then they're like, whoa, what happened? So I'll give you um, one example. Like somebody somebody said, um, I know you referenced Yvette Carnell a couple of times on your show, but she has some stances on immigration that seem out of step with the broader leftist movement. I'm guessing this That's person true. is a socialist mm. and can sometimes come off nationalistic, which I found interesting that they assume that because you're black, you're supposed to be in line with whatever leftists say you know which, which i find yeah. interesting but and so they said you can come off nationalistic um what's your take on immigration and how it impacts the black community the working class etc well the first thing i would say i think i'm a shock to the system because i'm not an out-of-the-box person in terms of how i do politics um I, you know I, I i tend to i tend to try to look at each individual issue and decide not how it affects the country but how does it affect american black people um descendants of slaves how does that impact us as a group as opposed to the country um and there are some if, if you look at my immigration there's a there's a very good article in the Washington Post, I believe, that talked about immigration, how immigration was good for the country. And there was a sort of asterisk um, that says, but it does show that it can lower the, the, the wages and have a, a bad impact on people who are working class, working poor um, and unskilled. And when you dig down into that, what you see is that and they mention it in like one line that these people are mostly black. <laughs> OK, so they say it's good for the country, but black people who are unskilled. Um, People who didn't graduate college uh, are are going to be mostly impacted by it and are going to be disproportionately impacted by it. Uh, and so when I look at immigration and my immigration stance, it does fall out of line with the left. It it absolutely does. Yeah. Because well, they're I, for open borders and, and, and flooding the country with, you know, well, if I, abolishing and, and ICE give, and everything. Here's what I told Here's what I tell the left. Give me give me a reason. Like if you tell me like I'm and I'm not I'm not nationalistic in, in the sense of, you know, I'm just always out here talking about how great America is. I think given my history and given my people's history in this country, I don't think you could ever get me to say that. But I think I am in terms of I think we just now are getting American black people in this country are just now getting some benefits of citizenship, citizenship. And they're being taken away as quickly as they're given. They get snatched back. The vote is being snatched back. Voter suppression. So I feel like citizenship has to matter and so if you're coming to me like i just saw in california uh, 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 the governor reject the bill that would have allowed non-citizens to sit on state boards and stuff like that i feel like that is an erosion of citizenship i feel like when you have see the part of what happens with especially when we look at undocumented immigrants who come to this country part of what happens is that because you're undocumented you're not going to make a fuss and you're not going to fight for a higher wage and you're not going to be out front because that's what it means to be who you are so i have to ask myself is is that good for working people for you to be here and you're not going to fight? You're not going to fight for a union. You're not going to fight for anything because really you can't fight. So in terms of my politics, I have decided that this kind of especially undocumented immigration, this illegal immigration that I see is not good for my group. And that is my stance. Hey, I can't agree. I can't argue with that. Um, and OK, so you would would you define yourself as a race first uh, as far as a political stance? So. I think so. I think I, I think I would. And, it, and when I say race first, I don't mean that I would only vote for black politicians. Or no, yeah, American of course. Black politicians. What I mean is that as a group that's been on the bottom since we got here, I don't think we can afford to do anything but race first politics based on a race first agenda. And when I say it's, it's really not even race, it's lineage because it's American black DOS. That means if you can trace yourself back to these sharecroppers or slaves and there has been a systematic, successful attempt to put you on the bottom of the wealth hierarchy in this country and have everybody else eat good while you eat the failure. So if that is your life, that means we're drowning, you're drowning, and we have to do what is best for us primarily 
That doesn't mean we can't form coalitions. We can where they're available. But we have to put our own issues first because we're drowning. And, we can't. And, we, that's that's what it means for me. But if you're if you're left if you're on the left and you're a white politician and you have and you you have a good agenda and you 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 the the agenda that I put forward you've adopted some of that stuff or whatever that doesn't mean I can't vote for you. I, I certainly can. But I put my agenda and the agenda of my community first. I think coalitions require uh, reciprocity, and that's something that kind of bothers me is how a lot of people will look at black people and like accuse black people of having homophobia but there'll be uh gay racism that runs rampant and that kind of is not ever really a talking point even though the story after story of gay bars that get in trouble for you know practicing um um racist policies or gay marches or movements that exclude black gays from joining or you know with the immigrants like i've not seen the hispanic caucus speak up on black issues at, at all barely rarely you know and you look at the the congressional black caucus's twitter and they are just talking about dreamers all this stuff etc and it's like i wish when people will get upset with black people about how they act a certain way they give them the same type of leeway to give all these other groups to be anti-black like there's this kind of thing where and it's the same thing I feel like with the black immigrants. People feel entitled to support from American DOS, but don't feel any obligation to even demonstrate reciprocity. Like, like forget even have reciprocity, but even to be questioned on it. Like, like you're not even supposed to question them on um, reciprocity. And I, one thing I like about what you do is that I think you get people asking these questions about their own um, self-interest. And you mentioned how black immigrants, they'll call your show, talk about fights they have with their own family um, about American DOS and defending them. But something that's interesting to me, like I've had that experience myself as a children of black immigrants, but my more frustrating experience is trying to talk to American DOS about talking points similar to yours. It's mm, interesting yeah. how a lot of times I'll be telling American DOS, like, you don't understand, like, there's not this big hug fest around the world with black people around the world. Like, a lot of what she's saying is very true about a certain level of contempt or lack of reciprocity among black immigrants with American DOS. And they'll be like, no, Pan-African this, Pan-African that. You sound divisive. Um, All black people. And this is the thing people keep saying. I don't know why I keep saying this. Uh, they're just as black as us. I'm like, no, no one's saying that a Haitian or African is not black that i don't know why people keep making that diversion it's, it's a weird one that people keep making i'm like no i'm saying that there's not a, a mutual respect and to me i feel like even as an immigrant black or the children of in, of immigrant blacks it's in your interest to have the strongest allies possible like to me if you are fighting for your own interests as strong as you can then when the two of us get together we can really form a very good a better coalition if you really want to have a pro-black coalition or black unity you have to have everybody at their uh strongest if you're like having this kind of non-reciprocal re relationship where you're extracting from your allies and they're not getting from you that's like a free rider that's like a you know mm. prisoner's dilemma type of thing that's like something where uh i don't know if the prisoner dilemma thing if that makes sense what i'm trying to say but yeah 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 if you know prisoner's dilemma like prisoner's dilemma is the strongest when everybody is on the same page if one person is snitching and the other person is not or one person is defecting and the other person is not it leads to a messed up group group dynamic you know 
Well, yeah, I think. But I, I think, I think, I think you're right about about trying to talk to American DOS. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we have been propagandized for so long, and and we have been propagandized by America, and we've been, and and, and we have in terms of like because people have to remember the politics change. Like when people say when people talk about Malcolm and Pan Africanism, what I what I always talk is, is is about a period where you had like Lumumba, you had all these African leaders who were really like really like in a space where they were where they were trying to be good allies right yes. and we were trying to be good allies and that's the space that all that came out of and none of us want to own the fact that like they were murdered for the most part like you saw like this mass slaughter of 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 the the the, the of the people of the leaders in, of these african countries who were set to be our best allies and what came after that were people who said i'm never gonna get slaughtered like that everybody eat for their own everybody's gonna have to figure their own stuff out and i'm capitalist and i and, and yeah. i don't care <laughs> and some of those people were directly um put into power by the west um particularly america like that's nothing people don't really realize like that was a great moment in time but it was such a small window and i think people tend to overstate how- but what you're talking about is timing see people don't yeah. understand timing everybody yeah. will everybody will go back and tell me what malcolm said or tell me what lumumba said or tell me or tell me all this stuff not understanding that they existed in a very specific moment and that this is a different moment so what we have now when we talk about when we talk about immigrants what we have now is a moment where like to a large extent American black DOS in this country are kind of like doormats that you use to cross over so you use this kind of like an entryway so you don't even call yourself African when you're in Africa you call yourself Nigerian or you call yourself Kenyan or you call yourself Eritrean you don't call yourself just African until you get here as an entryway to, to show yourself as part of this group of African Americans right and 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 but but people need to remember that a doormat ain't never supposed to come in the house and like don't nobody ever yanks the doormat inside you're this entryway and part of how we've left ourselves to be the entryway is because we don't have any cornerstones of what it means to be an ally. We don't have anything that we're going to demand of you, anything that you have to stand on. So if you are the group of African, da, 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 whatever, the, whatever it may be, if you have a, your own group and you're fighting for immigration or whatever and you want my help, there's never any there's there's just like sort of moral obligation because we all black, whatever that means. We just black. We just we just we got melanin. There are, there are a bunch of Indian Americans who have a whole lot of melanin. Are they black too? Are there a bunch of Mexicans who have a whole lot of melanin? Are they black too? This idea that like there's some solidarity that comes out of melanin or hair texture is just the biggest trick because I need to ally with you based on your ideology. So we need to figure out if we if we feel the same way on enough stuff and we get to figure out what we're going to do for each other and how hard we're going to stand for each other. Now, you can't stand with me in terms of you empathize with me and you feel like what happened to me is wrong and we're going to have to stand together. It can't be words. But I feel like we have never really sat down as American black people and said, this is what it, this is what it means for you to be my ally. And this is what is required of you. Not just we all black. That that doesn't matter. Nobody's nobody. Pan-African, you know, people got mad when I said Pan-Africanism is dead. Well, it is. Show me a structure. Don't don't just tell me that that this is what we need and spell Africa with three K's or whatever or one K. I don't care. Like show me like a structure that is that is providing tangible fin- benefits to American blacks today. That is a Pan-Africanist structure. You can just you can just you can just or you can just do what these other people do and say I got a podcast and you you have all these theories. I'm not interested in your theories. It's been a long enough time. Pan-African has been Pan-Africanism has been around long enough for you to have some wins for you to have some tangibles and I don't see it. 
Well, well, a big problem to me is I think Pan-Africanism and a lot of stuff has become this kind of support group masquerading as um, yeah. viable yep. politics where yep. people just want to tell themselves feel good stuff. So I started getting frustrated with the space myself because I uh, used to be into that stuff, but it would just be people all day long just saying like, look at this person. They date a white person. It couldn't be me. And like, okay, that's nice. But you have to have more than that. Like, you know, I can't just uh spend all day like you know patting myself under seeing people pat themselves on the back for that or somebody say um oh man look at this person buying from this white company you know we need to do our own businesses and support black business and just talk but about that therapy. all day yeah, yeah it's yeah, therapy yeah yeah it's, it's therapy it's therapy, it's therapy in terms it. of how we deal with our lostness like i don't think i don't think i don't think you know american black people i you know i, I said we need collective therapy antonio more coined it lineage therapy i don't think we really have dealt with our lostness right in terms of like you know, my, I know my mother comes from sharecroppers, um, but my father, you know, he, he didn't know his parents. Like his, his, he never knew his dad. His mother um, died very young, and so and and after that, we don't know anything. And so, um, and part of our, what I've done with this, you know, whole DNA thing is like run his and just like try to figure out stuff, you know. But 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 the the whole, I think I think we. And we're dealing with a bunch of people who have kind of made us feel superior because they say, well, I can trace my stuff back 10 lines and I can. That's why we. And it's just like how we've dealt with our lostness is to say, well, we're Pan-Africanists and we come from kings and queens. Well, there's a lot of peasants. There's a lot of spear chuckers. So you're not going to get me with that. You're not going to get me with the kings and queens stuff. But I think that what we have to do in terms of who we are in this country, I think what we have to understand is that we we are enough. Like in terms of our history in this country, the fact that we're still here, when you read the stories of American blacks who fought and who and who purchased their freedom with blood i think we have to get to a point where we're enough we don't have to go and trace ourselves anywhere to understand that our the most consequential thing in our life in terms of who we are happened once we hit these shores and that struggle that happened after that and we can't keep doing this pan-africanist therapy it's just it's just escapism and it's problematic to our politics so so one one criticism that um you tend to get so i wanted to ask it uh here uh so people tend to ask do you feel any kinship with africa or the caribbean or does dos history start with slavery oh it always oh, starts with slavery okay. like no 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 no. like no yes it absolutely starts with slavery because that's the most constant listen here's what here's let me just give you this example let me just give you this example. When, you know, we, we had the whole Harriet Tubman controversy, right? And we had that whole thing. And I'm going to say something about that. But let me just say this first. Like, people will ask me, do you have any, do you have, do you, Yvette, have any kinship with, with Nigerians, for say, right? Well, like, it's, it's very interesting because I'll do my ancestry. And the ancestry says, um, I think it's even decreased now. I'm like 8% Nigerian and 10% Irish or British Wales, whatever it said. But it was some white country. I don't have any kinship with them either. Like, like why? Like why would I? Like, see, what I understand is that America, when 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 America enslaved us, America created something distinctly different from anybody. We're not Irish. We're not Afri We're not Nigerian. We're not Benin. We we're a distinctly different group that ha doesn't really have a connection with the initial group that we come from, and we don't have a connection with the people that we were mixed up with. So we don't have a just like we don't have a connection with you. Like we don't have a connection with like our our the, the, our white Irish great 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 granddaddy or whoever. It created like this distinct group. And so when people tell me Harriet going back to Harriet Tubman, well she's African because her her parents or whatever she was born a slave. They was but she was African. 
Africa and they, her parents were from Africa or whatever. And there's a, there's a statue of her up in Ghana. You know, what I say is, I'll just go back to what Harriet Tubman said after she escaped. She, she talked about how lost she felt. Like she had escaped from this plantation, but she didn't know her family, didn't know her, didn't know who her family was. And what I say to everybody is this: like we are the inheritors of that lostness and that struggle that still goes on today. And that has become the defining thing in our life. The reason we we're expecting black wealth in this country to go to zero by 2053 is because we are the inheritors of that failure. We are the inheritors of that systemic, intentional oppression and that is the defining thing in our life and you know it's not about liking or wanting it's about what defines what defines my life and what defines my wealth and what defines me not being American and not being American is defined by not having any money like you can't afford anything in the richest country in the world and so I don't I don't know why people look at that as some sort of a front no that is like being in this country that is the defining thing in in all of our lives if you're if you if you're American black DOS that's it you're the you're the descendant of slavery and slave owners and some poor white people now uh let me ask a follow-up question the lack of kinship with africa or the caribbean is that something because you feel like it's not being reciprocated and it's not particularly useful for american dos right now since it's such a one-way relationship or is it well, something, well, no, even, something that you would want if there was a recipro- reciprocal relationship? well no i would want a coalition if there were a reciprocation but i don't i don't i don't i'm not a big fan of this idea of kinship Right. Because because that's so easily manipulated. I, I think if we want the same things, let's get together and let's do it. Like if we if we if we if we can agree on some 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 key cornerstones of a coalition, let's do it. But see, I see. See, I think even when I look at it, I think Obama played us on that kinship thing. Right. So when he gets on Selma and says, I have just as much a right to this bridge as 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 any black person or anybody else. And I'm thinking to myself, you actually don't. You actually don't, except maybe through your your white line, maybe because your, your your white mother, there was a story about her having black people in her family or whatever, because everybody's mixed in America. So I, 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 I view kinship as something that can be manipulated, right? Because when you say we're family, then there's a different set of expectation. You know, if, even if your mother hasn't done anything for you, even if your father has been on crack, the fact that he's family kind of puts you in a different mind space. So I don't even like this idea of 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 kinship. I don't like it with any group. I don't like it, you know, regardless. I, I, it doesn't matter to me. Only thing that matters to me in politics is what can we do together, what can we build together, and what is that based on? You can uh, do kinship at your at the barbecue. That's just not politics for me. <laughs> um, Mike, do you have any questions? I feel like I've been asking. Well, um, I know Yvette said that her, you know, her platform of Breaking Brown is at this point about political education and whatnot. Um, but okay, once once we get to a certain level of education, then what's 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 going to follow? What's going to be the uh, American Black descendants uh, agenda? politically well i would love to say listen people say once we get to a certain level of education i just broke fifty thousand. understand like people have millions of I congratulations just broke 50. so thank you but i'm just what i'm saying is that this is this is this this political education stuff is a real hard road but yeah I, but in terms of what i would like to see if you ask me what i would like to see I mean, I would, I would, I would honestly like to see like breaking brown chapters where people advocate specifically, you know, on a on a local political level for 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 policies that are beneficial to American DOS. Because I think 
I think in terms of politics, I think it. I, we talk a whole lot about what happens on the national level, but I think it has to happen on, it probably has to happen on the local level right now. And, and that's the best place to learn too. Even on just a basic level, before you even get to all of that stuff though, I would just like to see people start following their, their local rep um, on Twitter. Like, just, I mean, I mean, you, people want to go to the shade room all day and all that stuff. I mean, bef- I mean, a lot of people are saying, well, what are we going to do? You don't even know what your rep said last week. Like, how are you, how are these people asking me, what are we going to say? Like, and, 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 and I tweeted my rep like a few weeks ago, just some nonsense. Like, have you, have you gotten yourself in the posture of actually confronting power? Even just on social media, you ain't got to run up to nobody. I'm not asking you to go to a town hall, but have you gotten yourself into a space where you don't have any problem having these sorts of confrontations and telling your, 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 your people that they're wrong? You know, I had, um, 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 you know, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you all got no Reggie from Boston on the show causing a lot. Yeah. And he, uh, you know, he, he actually wrote me because, and you know, I gave him some, uh, um, um, some feedback because he was in Boston. They were trying to do the whole thing of non-citizens can vote. And so he was just going up there to, to make his voice heard in terms of, you know, going to, going to the, 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 what was city hall or whatever. And I'm just saying from where I sit, I see a lot of people who haven't even, thought about doing something like that much less doing it who don't even know who their reps are and who don't follow them even on twitter and just like push back against some of the stuff that they say who are saying well what do we do you haven't done the basics like what do you mean what do we do like can you do that and do it for a while and then come back and say what do we do <laughs> i want to check something real quick uh are you good for 40 more minutes because i know you have a flight and if you're not then it'll affect how i ask the remaining questions i'm good for about i'm good for about um i'm good for about uh 20 to 30 okay cool all right all right good um so let me ask you this because this is something that comes up a lot people always ask are you a socialist and you gave an answer to it that a couple months back in a video that i liked a lot because it kind of mirrors my own feelings about it and i wanted to um see if you could give that answer again today i don't remember what i said oh. <laughs> I, I talk so fast though so I, talk, I don't remember what else i gave oh okay, okay well you be spin from the hip but you be coming off with it though so you know what in, in that case just answer the question however you feel well, don't, I don't, you know don't worry about I, duplicating okay i don't i don't i don't listen Everybody asks, like, what is this ideological thing? And I don't, I don't, like, if you ask me in terms of where I view myself, there's a lot of stuff that's in socialism that I kind of say yes to, right? But I don't, but the problem with that is this idea of sameness and this idea of equality. And so people will say, like, everything is going to be fine if we're all just equal now. And I had to really have a conversation with myself about that because what equal right now means is problematic because it means that if like if, if somebody just gets to America or if or if you're a poor white person, we should all be the same when this country was built on the free labor of like American black people. So, no, it's I shouldn't be, we should not be the same when there's a whole bunch of money that was never paid. That is not a space for me to be the same and for us just to be equal. I feel like equality is kind of like robbery because you haven't made me whole so that's how i feel about it but i don't like to trap myself in these kind of ideological paradigms right where i just have to be for this because somebody said because this is this is the ideology so that means that i only read jacobin <laughs> and I, or I'm over here reading the Baffler, or I can only read Current Affairs, or 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 and I and I and this is this is the this is the road I have to hold. I don't I don't I don't do that. Or or it means like oh my God. Well, if let's say if, if Jeff Bezos said well if if we go we should have a reparations fund and you well you could never agree with him, Yvette or something. 
you know, it's just all this stuff, like all of these, all of this confinement in terms of, so I have to be this ideologically pure person. And I'm at a space, I think, where I don't agree with ideological purity. I believe that, I agree with nimbleness. I agree, and given who we are and given what we are economically in this country, I think we have to have a degree of nimbleness and that, in, that includes ideologically and that includes the kind of people that we're willing to kind of have conversations and deal with. I'm not going to make a deal with anybody on the left about immigration. The left is, is totally in disagreement with me, even though that used to not be the case. You can look at some of the old quotes from Obama. You can look at some of the old quotes from Hillary Clinton. You can look at some of the old, old quotes from like, um, 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 uh, what was it, Chavez. You can look for like, you can look at like a lot of these old quotes and you see that the party has moved. But I, 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 I have to be able to be in a lot of different spaces. So yeah. I, I... Yeah, I, I agree because that's the kind of problem we have is a lot of people think that we're a uh, leftist or socialist podcast. So then when we support people like you, then they think, oh, wait a minute, she's saying the wrong thing. And yeah. you think the same thing. Like, first, they find it's weird that you're saying the quote unquote wrong thing. Then they think that I've done something wrong because I've gone away from whatever in their mind I'm supposed to be affiliated with. And I think it's a danger with being with any predominantly white ideology, where there's conservatism, liberalism, socialism, is people start expecting you to just go across the board or whatever the white people in that movement. Um, well, I just tell people I'm black. You know what yeah, I'm saying? I'm exactly. black. I, you know, well, now I, I will use the uh, I'm a descendant of American slavery. And that puts me in a very unique position in this country that, and that can't be boxed in by one particular ideology. I think that's what Yvette was saying with the nimbleness. It's like, you know, we're an exceptional people. I got that term from uh, Dr. Claude Anderson. You know, we're an exceptional people and, you know, it's it's you're not going to be able to solve our problems without, spe you know, specific, you know, initiatives geared towards us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot of socialists will listen to the show and they'll try to keep coming at me when I keep saying that I don't think uh, getting rid of capitalism is going to solve 90% of black problems like white socialists like to say. And they'll be like, oh, how can you say that? Like as if I'm supposed to think something else, you know, and right. or, or or that, you know, fixing class issues automatically fixes um, black issues. And I was wondering what your thoughts about those arguments are. Like, for example, Adolf Reed is somebody whose uh, writings I like a lot, but his feelings on like, you know, class solving racism and his disdain toward reparations are two examples of why I feel like I could never be. Yeah, I have. I, listen, I, I, let me tell you, I respect Adolf Reed. Like I, I have a I have, a, you know, I have a list of books and they're just books that change the way I think that they're, they're not books I necessarily agree with or kept agreeing with. But I have a tattoo of books and like one of the books is Adolf Reed, Adolf Reed's class notes. Um, and not because I agree with him. But because it, 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 you ever, you ever, you've ever read something that kind of pivots the way you think. It like opens up a new window. Um, and that was a long time ago. But I respect him a lot. But this, this, I, I, I kind of view this hard kind of class left thing as actually kind of a, a, a race erasure, right? It's, it's almost as if, well, all that stuff happened, you know? But now the only thing that's going to work is for us to pivot hard on class and push for class because they're never going to give us reparations. They're never going to make it. They're never going to make us whole. And that's just not going to happen. And it's really, you know, I think I think part of I, I remember Adolf Reed said something. Um, he made a joke about Ta-Nehisi Coates. And I, I've criticized Ta-Nehisi Coates a lot, but I found I, that I know, I know the exact joke that you're talking what, about. What he's what he's, what he's, what he's, what he's what? 
Uh, if this is what I'm thinking of, this is the one where he says that uh, uh, white liberals look at Ta-Nehisi Coates as the the butler's kid who did, who did well. Yes. That was really left a bad taste in my mouth, especially to make her in the company of white people. It's not. It yeah. Was, wow. Yeah. We, we brought that up on the show and it's. It like, was a horrible. It was one of the most like I thought about that joke for such a long time and I thought it was too. so horrible because yeah. I, I, I really, you know, I, I, I like I said, I have criticized Ta-Nehisi Coates more times than I can count, but I feel like he is he is. Is, he is arti- I feel like I feel like his I feel like his the case for reparations was groundbreaking. I feel like yes. it was an excellent piece of work. I feel like it was well researched. I feel like it was thoughtful. I feel like it deserved all the ac- ac- accolades that it got. And I feel like there is some jealousy coming from the academic community because they didn't produce that, and because and, they haven't got college, attention. And he's a college dropout. Yeah, yeah, he's a Howard University dropout, yeah, right? Yeah, so exactly. not only are you a college dropout, you dropped out yeah. from an HBCU, and you get all this attention, and we over here at the Ivies, yeah, and all these good schools. Yeah, and one point that you made that was very good, where you're talking about how people bring up that Bill Gates is a college dropout, but he's a Harvard dropout, and just getting into Harvard gives you a certain amount amount of cultural cachet. Uh, that's not the same. Like being a Harvard dropout in a lot of people's minds is better than being a Howard graduate. Even. exactly so it's like uh to be a howard dropout on top of everything else you're absolutely right i i agree um yeah and I, I thought i thought i thought that he was I, I it really felt like adolf was performing for white people um yeah. and 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 that and that left the and i, I think i think the i think it, you know the 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 amount of you know i i sometimes get hostile towards people but the only people who i i'm very careful about the people who i throw away like i never threw away ton of hussy coats at all i criticize him and he has the right to criticize me or anybody else and i I afford him that right but I don't just throw away like I threw away Al Sharpton because I think he needs to be in the garbage but I'm I'm, I'm clear when I throw people away why I'm throwing them away and I don't think that there's any recover I don't think they can recover like the way he does it and the vitriol with which he does it, I just find I've I, I think Adolf Reed is very important in the body politic of, of 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 just of just black politics in this country I think he's very important I think everybody should read him um, yeah. But I disagree with a lot of what he says, and I disagree with that. He he turned a corner for me when he said that. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny you brought up that quote because I've brought it up several times in the show. You know, it's interesting. I think there's a level of truth in that quote that could be teased out and nuanced. And what I mean by that yeah. is, I think that no matter how bright you are as a black person or how you've earned it there's a danger of white liberals just treating you that way and i think yeah. he could have said it a different way as in uh as in like like you can say that white liberals view him as that but he's not actually that but uh because of this paternalistic racism because i feel that way sometimes myself i feel like no matter how good a point i make there'll always be a, a head padding aspect to the the praise that i get from white people you, you know mm. what i mean like yeah like, like like there was something in there that i think could have been a dynamic that could have been uh yeah explored a, I, no a, i agree yeah in a way more respectful way i agree but i think he said it the way he wanted to say it i don't yeah. think that and i've always been he's a man of words like if he was a yeah, regular yeah. guy i would say okay but this is a man who's written how many books he knew what he said and he knew yeah. how he wanted to say it yeah exactly i, I wouldn't say that to uh no no him. i agree yeah, no yeah, i yeah, agree no. yeah but if I, anything to this i think i heard him on um on um a podcast uh maybe a week or so ago and he kind of he, he reiterated that uh so like she said he uh, it wasn't an accident he didn't yeah and he hates he hates cults and i don't understand why like uh, you know i i, I have a lot I of have, people I, do yeah i don't yeah I, you know listen i have a problem with cults i got blocked off tanahasi site very early on because i criticized <laughs> obama on the atlantic because i was like this guy but i was bringing up his africanness and his i mean his kenyanness and just saying that he's not anchored in what it, this was very this was like because i pivoted quick i went from like you know he's Obama's black like us, and then you, you ever had you ever say something and you think about it for a long time, 
when you realize you said some stupid stuff or you're thinking the wrong way. Like it just nagged at me. And I was like, no, he's not. And so I, when I went to Tanahasi Coast, this was like 2010, 11 or something like that. So I was on his page and I was like, he's not black like us in the same sense. He's not anchored in the history. And I said some of the same stuff I say now. And he deleted the comment. And he blocked me. And it was weird because it, it, it was odd because I wasn't saying something that the Tea Party says. Like the conversation that I was trying to have was a very different conversation. But I say that to say like I I remember I remember Coast before he started criticizing Obama on the respectability politics stuff when he finally made that turn. I remember him saying, I'm you know, I hear they selling t-shirts, Obama t-shirts, I want one. So that was a level of in, in Coates early blogs of like a little a little hackneyism or whatever in terms of him just like being so on board with Obama. But you know, and I disagree with all of that. But I I have to also let just like give him credit for the stuff that he does do. Like we had yes. that reparations conversation because of him. The only reason, the only reason it really got that kind of attention is because of something that he did. Now he didn't go far enough. Tanahasi Coast is real good at going up to a line and not crossing it. So you did this whole big body of work, and then you said pass the bill to study it. Yeah, Die. yeah. I, I have a lot of criticism <laughs> of Tanahasi Coates, but I try to actually criticize him on what he says and believes. And yeah. a lot of like the criticism that come from him to on him from the left say stuff. That I'm like, what are you even reading? Like, for example, one popular one that leftists love to say is they keep saying that Tanahasi Coates treats uh, white supremacy as a he has a metaphysical view of race and he treats it as like a magical i'm like wait no his reparations yeah, yeah that doesn't thing, make sense yeah his reparations thing had a whole segment of his of talking about the history of white supremacy and uh uh yeah but you know what it is yeah you know what it is like the the left doesn't understand Coates' pessimism it's not even magical what he thinks that white supremacy will never be overcome because it's magic he says it he says he says that he's pessimistic because he looks at the history of this country and the history of white people and, he and like he doesn't see it tangibles <laughs> he talks about redlining he talks about yeah. slavery he talks about reconstruction and he's very in-depth he's so he, he cites w.e du bois black reconstruction and he gives reading lists Exactly. Like, yeah, he, he cites historians. He's not just because, but he has a flourish with language, and I realize sometimes people take certain things. Sometimes he has too much of a flourish. And he, I know. Yeah, sometimes he, sometimes you sometimes he overdoes it. It's just yeah, too much. It's just too much. Come yeah. on. And he was talking about something like a talisman, like you know. And, I, and a lot of people were saying, "Well, why about this talisman line where he says like white supremacy is like a talisman that white Yeah, that was a bad. That was an awful line too. <laughs> yeah, that was an awful line. <laughs> that was bad writing that PC did. That was bad writing. He, I, yeah. mean, I think he was at his best with reparations, but that was. A, I remember that talisman. That was a, that was an awful. Like that's, was, I think was, that's one of the, the worst things that he ever wrote. Yeah, like, and I, think, <laughs> and I think it was one of the worst lines and one of the worst articles he ever wrote. I think that was in the first white president article that he put the. Talisman. Yeah, yeah, we Antonio talked about Moore, that on Antonio here. Antonio Moore did a great counter to that article. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I'm gonna put that into the show notes. Actually, thanks for reminding okay. me. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So I think you know that. But that whole article was not pretty good, and and but yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of unfair uh, stuff. But while we're at it, uh, to do a pivot, reparations and what America owes black um do American DOS. Uh, what are your feelings on the reparations argument? Well, I I, I think you know people love to people love to ask me like, well, what do you what do you think or what do you feel or is or tell me how it's it's never gonna happen or or tell me like, well, how do you think it's gonna happen? If because black people just spin it all up tomorrow or or, or as if that's the only way reparations can happen and so what i what i told what i tell people is that listen what i'm interested in is is the will to do it if if, if you can if we can get the will and, and then then we can talk about what's politically possible but i don't even i don't even see like the will to do it for for american black people 
That and that's my problem. Like it's one thing if if white people are just saying no and we don't want to, and we say, come on, come on, come on. You know, like this is something that has to happen. This is what you did. This is what this is what it cost us. This is what what you did cost, and that's a different conversation. But I run into so many black people who are just like, nah, we don't need that. We just need to work or whatever. And so there's this it's there's this educational like black hole that I just keep running into and get that you know I. I I don't under well. I understand it. This it's like yeah. the Nixon do for selferism that 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 we feel like we can use our own individual agency in one lifetime to fix anything. Um, no, I think. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say. I think it's. I think. It, I think. I think it's more that they know white people are against it and it makes them uncomfortable to advocate for something that white. I mean, we st- I, we're still invested in what they care about to to that much of a degree to where it, it, they're you know we're scared to advocate for what we want because or what we know we need because it makes them uncomfortable so we'll hide that behind well oh no we should just you know pull ourselves up we don't need nothing from them we're not going to keep begging them and i, yeah, I think they hide race. behind that yeah, yeah. And, and it's one of the big problems I have with any black person that kind of overlines with any ideology, whether it's uh, black, black capitalists, black socialists, black Republicans, black Democrats, black leftists is like there's always this worry about whatever uh, political ideology I'm affiliating with. What do the white people in this ideology um, believe? And I find that that's a problem happens with a lot of black leftists I see where they're afraid to kind of go to say anything positive about black rep- about reparations because it's like, wait, these white leftists are claiming that socialist policies a new new deal medicare for all welfare or all these things are going to be black reparations and i kind of i kind of don't want to say anything that's going to make me yeah i don't i don't want to i don't want to get in the crosshairs of that and and this idea that 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 sameness is good when not everybody had the same contribution so 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 if we get medicare Mm. for all you know you 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 as a you as a as a nicaraguan who just immigrated here get the same thing that i get as an american descendant of slaves um when i when our communities have very different contributions to this country and so i think we, we have for so long saw equality and and this degree of sameness as like a benefit that's because we're so far on the bottom so whoo if you can make me the same as a white man that'll be great you know what i mean like yeah, <laughs> or if you yeah. can just make me not fall like and, and i and i get that but i think we have to understand that like that, no we need a different wealth positionality based on the contribution and that and that me see the thing is on the left nobody ever wants to talk about somebody having more than somebody else well, well no this is a capitalist country until y'all switch that up if you want to if you if the revolution is coming y'all get out on the streets and do it and let me see something but if that's not here we're in a capitalist country and that means dollars spend all dollars spend and when all dollars spend i need to be paid for what i was owed you are owed the same thing so like this degree that we we, we that we should have sameness like you, you never see leftists like advocate for reparations it's, it's this and it's the same way I, you know one of the things that i fought the jacobin for they had when they had the, the black guy who got fired because he was doing the stuff for the mexican workers right he was yes. he filmed the mexican yeah. workers and i thought they're like wow like jacobin you you, you think about it, it's like you all could have you all should have put like in that article we call on uh the mexican workers to show solidarity with the man who got fired like this is a moment where you can show me that you're in solidarity with black people and you didn't you just you just wrote about how this black guy thought he was in solidarity with mexicans and and you really weren't concerned they didn't even go back they went back later and added an addendum to say go fund me was started for him they weren't concerned about that black dude so yeah. what you what you really show me is that you this is not solidarity and you're really you're really showing me that 
and it's, it's a lack of reciprocation um i want to try to kind of but that's indicative of, of, of yep. us as a people how we were we're always so invested in fighting for other people without you know what i mean without yeah. actually, wanting to get without actually demanding he didn't care about his he didn't care about his own situation yeah, yeah. the brother that got fired and you, know what say, mean? you know what he said? He said, "Well, I don't, I don't want, I don't want other people. I don't." They ask him like, "Well, should the Mexicans have done what?" He said, "I don't want to see anybody else get fired." That's not how solidarity works. Yeah, we all got to get fired. Exactly. That was beautifully, beautifully put. I wanted to try to sum up like the remaining points as succinctly as possible, because um, I know your time is running out. So actually, I just want to play one one thing because this this I I saw it was Yvonne Orgy from Insecure on the Breakfast Club, and I'm gonna play it so that people can hear it. Uh, you tweeted this, and I wanted to get your um, opinions on on this. Yeah. Do Africans really look down on Black American people? I think Africans, I would say specifically for Nigerians, Nigerians are proudful people. We look down on other Nigerians. So it's not even, and it's not even that we're looking down. We're just always looking up. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not in our purview, Mm -hmm. uh, we don't see you. That's a word. So yeah. it's, it's perspective shift. And so for us, like I, I tell people all the time, like because it used to be like when I would meet other African-Americans, like they would know nothing about me. Like, oh, so you African? So what you think you better than us? And I'd be like, listen, man. We think we better than everybody. Because my father yeah. would be like, if the black man does it, do it better. If the white man does it, surpass him. If the Asian man does it, finish him. It's just like, okay. Like, that's like the household I grew up in. It's mm-hmm. like nobody's your competition except for the person that you're trying to advance over. So it's just like, who is in your purview? Get them out. Like, why are they even there? What are you guys' thoughts about that? Well, I, I, I think, I think, listen. I, I don't know how the leftists who talk about solidarity deal with Yvonne Orji. Or I, I mean, because that's not solidarity. What she's, what she's saying, like, nobody says, nobody writes an article about her and says, like, your politics are awful. Like, your super capitalist politics are really, really awful. And nobody wants to write that article because nobody wants to step in the way of black people. But, but I think, I think for me, you have to understand one thing. I can't, we can't be family and competition at the same time. Hmm. Right? If, if well, that's if, a word. If your job, like Charlemagne, if your job, if your job, if your father taught you to be what, what did I have a show on these lawnmower parents? If your father taught you to be a lawnmower and just mow down anybody that's in your way, then like, I don't see how you and I can have any kind of solidarity because you're coming from a very individualistic frame of mind. And I think what we need in this country, we need gardeners in terms of American black people. We need people to garden and, and, and plant seeds. So if you're a lawnmower, I don't see how you're a good fit. And people will be like, well, competition is great, Yvette. You just don't want to compete. Okay, if I compete by saying, hey, I want I, I want to lower the levels of immigration so that Yvonne Orgy can't even come over here, then you're going to be mad. But that's competition. Competition means eliminating the competition so i think people need to define who we are who and what we want i can't i can't be i can't i can't co-sign on this because if that's what you believe because what she's saying in that quote too is that i don't even see other nigerians as family so i know i don't see y'all as family because i don't even right. see them i only see what i got to get and who i got to mow over to get it i can't that's not collectivism and the kind of collective see people need to understand when we talk about being distinctly different we've always been a minority and a majority repressive white supremacist country and because of that, we've always had to have a degree of collectivism and working together that some other groups haven't had, especially if you come from an elite background. Like, like you know, which sounds a, like... Uh, a, country uh, where, a country where everybody's black. 
So, yeah, everybody's black. That's a totally different experience, man. So I, so I don't think people understand when they just say we're just black. That erases all the lineage and everything that built in terms of how we relate to each other. And one of the things that I've talked about on the show too is how like the small graces that I get from from black people that I encounter who are American black who just oh go ahead sister don't even worry about it you know or or you be at the airport no nah, you can go on through don't even whatever like just because they 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 recognize you as a fellow traveler in in in, in with the with the with the the effed up lineage that we have in this country what happens when you have black people in this country who aren't from that don't understand that and don't respect that and they see you as something totally different that is a very dangerous place to be in and i'm telling you that you have to like people say well why did you check lovey no the question isn't why i checked her the question is why black immigrants didn't check her like why did why was she allowed to get so out of pocket and nobody just said nothing and, and right. we say but that's interesting because i feel like i'm kind of in that space as in people always want white allies to um check other white people or white allies to kind of know their place in the struggle white allies to be willing to follow and not lead and i feel like a lot of those criticisms kind of apply to um black immigrants as well and a lot of times black immigrants who are activists are the same ones making those accusations toward white allies but when it gets directed toward them they don't want to hear it you know like like uh uh which is how i feel about kind of checking other black immigrants or children of immigrants you know like i feel like uh i feel like i know what gets said behind closed doors i've seen it i've uh witnessed it firsthand and mike made a very good point uh earlier today before we started recording where he where we were like this is her being diplomatic like this is her like knowing that other people are gonna be listening she has to be careful i'm like and if her being diplomatic sounds that cutthroat and hyper individualistic like can you imagine what gets said in her household behind closed doors you know yep can you imagine what gets said what gets said between her and Issa Rae I don't ever hear Issa yeah. Rae talk about her mom them from Louisiana or whatever I don't ever hear about that I hear about the fact that her dad told her when she said she was majoring in African American studies or whatever like he was like you might as well major in flowers that I mean that tells me a lot about what you think about uh, <laughs> about us so I, I you know I, I can tell you what she's anchored in and I and I can tell you why that's a problem why that's going to be a problem going right. forward because you know the people who are are, are, are getting more and more affirmative action or most affirmative action now are black immigrants who really who really feel the way that they feel they're like I, I'm just here to be individualistic I'm just here to I'm not here to, to, to build anything with you I'm here to get what I gotta get that's why I'm here I'm not here for some kind of slave fight that's why they always make fun of like somebody told me there was a line on the show recently like get off the floor stop sleeping like a slave or something like yeah. that you know Lovey said that Lovey has had so many slave jokes you know I would never go to Nigeria and, and try to make fun of colonialism or make fun of any because that's not I'm I'm just very deferential. I'm in your country. This is how I behave. We don't do that here. No, we don't do that here. Well, one thing I find interesting is that they have a word like a kata, and I don't even think there is a word in the American black culture for Africans or, you know, Caribbeans that's disparaging. Like, the fact that there's actually a term for... For African booty scratching, that's they want. They bring that up every time they get a chance. I always call us African booty scratching. But you know what? The funniest thing about that thing is that's not... African booty scratch is not just a term that's used by a bunch of... by, by, by a bunch of American DOS. It's not a term that, like, we use collectively to talk about Africans. What happens when you're a kid is this. Whatever is the thing that stands out about you, that's the thing you get made fun of. So I'm very light-skinned. As a kid, I got made fun of.
fun of about my skin color. If you were African with an accent, that's the insult you got. If you had a big head, that's the insult you got. If you were a fat Albert looking kid, that's the insult you got. Everybody got insulted as a kid though. But what it tells you, the fact that that doesn't, that doesn't follow into adulthood is that we don't we don't do that as groups. That's little kid do all kind of stuff as little yeah. kids. They call little yeah. kids white. They call them fat boy. They call him, you know, they, I can think of all kind of little names. Ears that had big ears. Yeah, that's what they do. They find that one thing that is about you. If you're African, that's the one thing that caught. They could hear that accent in your voice. If you were light skinned, this is the thing that caught. If you were, if you were, if you were fat, this is the thing that caught. Overweight or whatever. Like this is. There's always something. But it. There's no word that we use as grown people to disparage Africans. Not one. Because we just don't do it. And yeah. but, but see, y'all broke yourselves up into a lot of tribes. We never broke ourselves up into tribes. Y'all got all kind of tribes in you in these countries. We never did that. There's always been division amongst you that doesn't exist here. Yeah, and what's interesting? What's interesting is like they say they use a kind as like adults. That's what's weird. Like you know, if anything, like American DOS as adults are actually very opposite toward uh, Africans. And I notice because a lot of times when I try to talk to American DOS about how this solidarity that you think exists doesn't really exist, they're very very defensive of what they call the yeah. black immigrant brothers and sisters. So it's like I feel like for these Africans to use the African booty scratcher thing as an excuse. Uh, when it's something from childhood and something that, if anything, is the polar opposite of what uh, exists now. Uh, I think it's very uh, inter interesting. Um, but like Yvette was saying earlier, it's dangerous because they don't they don't see themselves as us, but we see that we see them as us. And I, I, I was talking to you earlier, T, as far as yes. like I was listening, I was listening to this Avon interview. You know, I, I I wasn't really watching it; I was listening to it, and it's like you know she sounds like us, and she's using slang like us, and uh and 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 Charlemagne was her nigga. That Charlemagne, like, you my nigga, like she said that a couple three times. But then you listen to what she's saying, it's like. You know, this is I, I use the analogy of pod people. I'm like she's like a it's like a pod person, and like you you know from you know outside looking in. Okay, she's one of us, but then you know like just that little you know blink of the eye, you see it, you catch it. It's like wow. I'm looking at a whole different person. They know how to play the game. They know how to. The pod they, they, person, they, they, yeah, the pod person thing I thought was very good, by the way. I just want to say. But I think they know how to. They know how to to, to use black culture as the entryway, um, in terms of how we talk or whatever. And that's the and 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 they, and they know that's what we stop it. Oh yeah, you yeah you you is down. I knew it. I knew. It, I knew you were. No, no, like just because you can use that stuff don't mean you. That don't mean anything. So you know it it that doesn't. And so that's that's the entryway. Like that's the entryway. Right. If I if. I I don't have to have their politics. I don't I don't have to I don't have to respect their lineage as long as I can kind of mimic their culture or or, or in their, or, right in his not, face. He was right, right there in his face, face sitting and next he said, to him. And he said that's a word. What the heck? But that's exactly what I mean by the lack of uh, reciprocity. I'm sorry. The, I was trying to say about like American DOS don't even kind of demand that reciprocity or let a lot of things slide, which brings me to like my last point. I know you have to go, but Shonda Rhimes. I tried to do research on her, and she seems to be American DOS, I think. I can't see anything that says that she's not. But even if it's not her, there's a million other examples. For example, all those uh, Black Excellence people like April Rain and those people who are defending the white curator to the uh, hip-hop section of the uh, the African-American Museum or whatever. But I Oh, like yeah. There's a lot of Black Ivy League-educated people or Black elite uh, American DOS elites who seem to kind of side or cape for both white people and black foreign immigrants in a way that they don't really for american uh dos like whether it's uh those black excellence blue checks uh caping for the white woman curating the hip-hop exhibit black or, excellence blue checks <laughs> yeah yeah Sh shonda rhymes 
giving opportunities. Like first Shonda Rhimes took took a mental relationship with Issa Rae. Then she's uh, grooming uh, Lovey and developing shows with Lovey. And Lovey's had so many disparaging things about African Americans and uh, Issa Rae uh, has as well. And like a lot of these uh, people who are jumping to attack uh, Yvette online on behalf of... Um, Amanda Seals and stuff. And why do you think that is? Why do you think a lot of um, American DOS who have figured out how to compete and win in the system of white supremacy have seem to have a better kinship with these foreign black elitists than with American DOS on on the bottom who are um, have the have the foot of white supremacy on their neck? I will, you know, I don't you know, I don't know. I, I would like to see more of, um, you know, I remember reading something um, when, when Donald Glover was doing Atlanta. He brought Cat Williams in and he told him, you know, for this one part, he said, you know, you go, I'm going to get you an Emmy for this. Um, and I don't I don't think we I don't think we under I, I think what happens with black women and this is black women in particular um, is that part of the erasure of of, of American DOS um, is is black women bonding off of feminism um, and bonding off of being the only black women in the room as opposed to being the only American DOS in the room and telling an American DOS story. And so what what kind of what kind of the infusion of white feminism into into black female spaces does is that it creates this sort of idea that that and a connection between um, uh, American black DOS to Lovey or to Amanda Seals that never really existed. And it's not like, you know, it, it, that, that never really existed. Right. So she comes into the room and you all don't have any of the background, any of the same struggles. But because you both identify as women and people of color that creates some kind of relationship that you think that is really beneficial and. I am woman, hear me roar, and it's you think it's really good, and you don't really understand it. Like, no, this is not. Yeah. This is not. This is not. This is not the. This is this is not an American DRS relationship that's built on doing something or giving a presentation in cinema or giving a presentation on HBO that is that is actually fruitful and beneficial and it's actually good. I don't even think Issa Rae stuff is good, but it's actually well written or anything like that. So I think this whole kind of this whole kind of whitewashing where every where we kind of view ourselves through this prism of just feminism as as opposed to the most consequential thing in our lives which is legacy and lineage yeah i i I think that is problematic in terms of the relationships that you build and the kind of people that you want to see do well when you get to that point and i'll specifically say like pop intersectionality like this kind of shallow intersectionality where you just take a bunch of identities and kind of add them together with this easy political algebra so it's like she's black and she's a woman um there you go. Um, she's an ally, which I think kind of causes a problem. We get accused of being like anti-black women a lot because we bring up um, the problem with a type of uh, black feminism that, that you brought up. That's kind of really very reliant on white feminism uh, as this model. Like by, by relying on white feminism, that's how you get these uh, ridiculous articles like uh, bl- straight black men are the white people of black people, which yeah. you had probably the best takedown. I've seen of that uh, ridiculous uh, premise. And that kind of leads to um, my other question, because I feel like because a lot of times we end up criticizing the problems of black feminism and its reliance on white feminism for its models. Sometimes we end up getting accused of um, attacking black women the same way you get accused of being anti-immigrant. But on the flip side, we end up attracting a lot of people sometimes 
who just hate black women and try to jump onto yeah 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 they try, to, they try to jump onto our platform because they because they think the same thing that our detractors think but they're supporting us for that for that instead of hating us for it so they'll come on saying all types of out-of-pocket things about black women rather than just a specific group of black feminists and expect us to co-sign it or think that that's what we're about and i was wondering if you've had that problem um not just with black women but with people who hate uh black immigrants because i've seen some people use language from your show and just say like crazy things about black immigrants that i think i'm like okay you just don't like uh <laughs> black immigrants yeah you just don't like you just you probably don't like immigrants at all yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just using, I'll, I'll give one example and this, is, this is my last thing i'll, I'll give Mike a chance to ask the last question before I go um there was this lady who ma- made this thing about remember when Serena Williams lost the um the open due to the call and some uh black woman who works for MSNBC uh, Sophia A. Nelson she said the reason this happened she's implying that uh Serena Williams had a hard time with black men her whole life who were perpetuating stereotypes about her and it wasn't until she found a white man who uh loved her that she was able to get finally get respect and it was black men who created this uh, stereotype about her and who bought into these stereotypes and treated her bad and were disrespecting her and it was a it was a white guy that saved her and it was kind of implying that black men the stereotypes that they created about her is what led to her shabby treatment at the open and then I kind of responded. I was like, do you have any proof that any of her black boyfriends were bad to her? I've never heard of any of them abusing her. Like, I looked at looked up all of them. And, you know, also some of her white boyfriends are people like Brett Ratner, who has a history of saying messed up racist, sexist things. Like, why are you assuming that all her white boyfriends were good and all her black boyfriends um, were bad? And then some woman came at me. She goes, you don't understand black patriarchy, black misogyny, blah, 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 was coming at me. And I was like, I'm just, I just want proof. And he said, well, you know what? You're from New York and you're probably foreign descended. This is the American. <laughs> <laughs> this is an American DOS <laughs> argument. So, you know, know your role. I was like, wait, what does DOS have to do with any of that? And <laughs> oh, I, and it wasn't, even a, it wasn't even a conversation about slavery. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it wasn't even a conversation about slavery. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not like you come in and be like, y'all, slaves didn't have it that bad. You're just like, hold on, you ain't from here. Huh, shut up. Like, well, you know, once you start learning a new way of thinking, you gotta you gotta use it everywhere you go. You know what I mean? Yeah, you gotta throw that out. You gotta throw that out at the. You gotta throw that out at the mall. Listen, you ain't a American DS. You don't know about these chicken wings. We got this down. <laughs> so you know, I get it, but we don't want anything. I say like, there's a lot of internalized anti-blackness kind of like misandry kind of stuff that that's kind of perpetrating as feminism right so so like my question would be did, did serena tell you this because this is a very specific personal thing that you're talking about you know in order to really know something like that you would have to have had a very specific conversation with her about why she chose the person she chose you know it it, it, it maybe she just fell in love or maybe she's just been an elite circle so long that she wanted an elite person like she's been playing white elite sport and she chose a white elite person like why why is it this need to kind of make this be the fault of black men somehow failing especially if Serena hasn't she hadn't told you and she hadn't done an interview about it and saying that this is why I did it so how do you get to like how do you get to like make that kind of assumption and I think part of what's happened is that you know the the, the whole propaganda has been built on so so as to keep us divided like black women blaming black men for not being 
you know, reparations for black women. Like, as if black men have the same opportunity to build wealth as, as white men. And so then you say, well, you have the same opportunity as him, then where's the wealth at? Then if everything equal, but that would mean slavery never happened. That would mean Jim Crow never happened. That would mean convict leasing never happened. So that would mean mass incarceration never happened. So this idea that you are putting, you know, this idea that you are putting black men on the same, you know, wealth level with the same power as white men, that's the only way you can make these criticisms. So it doesn't hold water and we have to understand that these things are just really about the only thing that they're really about is like dividing us and I tell people all the time if you really want to talk feminism and what women don't get as opposed to men you need to talk you need to take the fight to white women and be like why do you all get so much more inheritance than we get why do you all get paid more than we do as black women that's the fight the fight ain't black men because black men when you when you when you when you incorporate prison into the numbers then you see that black men aren't doing better than black women and people say well you should we do these studies without incorporating prison for a reason that's because prisoners are usually a nominal set of the of the of society in terms of the data set but they're so big in terms of black men is it is outrageous that you don't that you leave them out and that you exclude them from the numbers. When you include those numbers, there is no black patriarchy because people say, you know, and I have to tell people that sometimes there's a difference between sexism and patriarchy. I, I have had people make very sexist comments. I have had black men make sexist comments. He's not in control of any area of my life ever. And he never will be. And people He's get, an annoyance. You know yeah, what I mean? He's yeah, a nuisance. Yeah. And, and, and people get that point when you, when you say it with racism because people will be like, oh, racism without power is not the same thing. Like, that's just bullying. Like, you know, you can't compare, you can't compare bias or discrimination with institutional racism because one has power behind it and the other one is just name calling but when you give that same argument to um, sexism versus patriarchy where one has the power of a system and patronage behind it and the other one is just name calling and bullying suddenly like the brain short circuits and they can't yeah freezes up yeah um i know you have to go so that's the end of my questions if mike you have any last comments i'll let you nah oh comment well i know i know yvette said on our last show that she's gonna be in chicago I was wondering yeah. what's going on. What's going on there? Well, what is somebody who watches the show, a brother who watches the show, said he wants to put together a little forum, have everybody have a conversation. He's going to bring somebody else out, and um, I think he's trying to build something in Chicago, you know, um, and and trying to influence a few people to move in a certain direction. And he asked me if I come out, and I say, of course. Oh, is it, <laughs> is it, is it, is it open to the public? Because um, yeah, Mike's, it's all, it's up on my. I put the flyer on my Instagram. Um, it's on my okay. Facebook too, but I think you have to scroll back too much, too far to go to it on Facebook. But I put the, the yeah. I'm not on even Instagram. on Facebook like that. Yeah, but yeah, like, the social media and me just don't really. Well, I'm, I'm on. But I, I do follow you on Instagram, though. Huh? I said I do. I do follow you on Instagram. I think. Yeah, so too, it's though, on so Instagram. I, I put the flyer up on Instagram. It's October the sixth. Um, and oh, okay. Um, yeah. So uh, that's on yeah, Saturday. Mike's, so I'll be there. Mike's around that way. So so maybe you uh could could go out there, Mike. I I don't, don't want to put obligations on you without you. Even no, agreeing. no, 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 no. I know because I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. I, you know, uh, I'm in I'm in Racine, Wisconsin, which is. I, right on the border of Wisconsin, Illinois. So I'm probably maybe 65 miles, I think, from Chicago. 70 miles, maybe. Oh, that's ways. Yeah. That's about like, a, that's you know, the way we drive around here. It's like an hour, 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, y'all don't have anything on the street then. That's like the way the crow flies. If you <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's just a straight shot down the highway. Okay, okay. Okay, great. So uh, thanks for joining us, Yvette. It's been a great conversation. You're always welcome back on the show. And, appreciate uh, it. Appreciate it. I'm sorry it took us so long to, to get together. I'm awful with my email. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh man, but but uh, yeah, thanks thanks for joining us and uh, have a great have a great trip. I hope Mikey gets to go out there and uh, let us know how the no pressure though, Mike, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I don't you know I don't feel no pressure. I do kind of feel it now because he put it out there, but I'm like, damn, I gotta represent. Yeah, I gotta yeah, represent for I'm the Champagne good. Sharks. Yeah, I'm good for throwing Mike under the bus. This is like uh, <laughs> this is a, yes, it's our thing on this show. You know, yeah. Mike. Well, it's oh. all good. No problem. I'd love to see you. So, hey, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there next weekend. So, it's all good. If I do show up, I'll, I'll probably be the biggest guy in there so you can't miss me. I, <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike is really tall. Oh. Ah, how tall are you, Mike? 6'8". Dang. God, dog. Yeah, you tall. You tall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm 6'1". I think I'm the shortest guy in the show. So... Yeah. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah, people yeah. always, I'm, I'm five ten. People always surprised that I'm tall. I don't know why. People always, I, people always think, I think. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that loud though. People, loud people. I was thinking people. you're about five six, five seven, plus for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, everybody thinks I'm like, oh, everybody's with me. Was like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I never pictured you as tall. I, maybe I think it's when maybe the set set up or the, when I sit at the table. I don't know, but oh, I think just people think like short people are loud. It's just something like <laughs> stereotypes. So, I don't know, but it's always like you know, people, people, people are never like never. Think I'm gonna be five ten. People usually expect like five five for some reason, which is weird to me. But yeah, but six eight is six eight is tall. <laughs> it is. It all, is. All right, so ha- I'm used to it now. Have a great trip, Yvette. And uh, all right, I appreciate it. Thanks. Thank guys. you for coming on. All right, I'm, no I'm, problem. And when we're done, we'll send you a link to the show if you ever want to listen to it. Appreciate it. I'll share it. All right, great. Take care. All right, now. Bye. Bye. Bye.